Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today, we have a very special guest, Ben Houston. He's the founder and CTO of 3Kit. And 3Kit's a platform used by some of the world's top brands like Crate and & Barrel and Steelcase. And what they're able to do is create amazing visual customer experiences through virtual photography, augmented reality, 3D imagery, saving companies enormous amounts of time and money having to get these photographs, set up studios, and in a time of COVID, we just can't do that anyway. So I'm really excited to invite Ben to uh, the podcast today. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Alan, for such a great intro. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. You guys have really uh, been working hard in the space. You've been in the space uh, since, what, 2005, I believe? Uh, in the 3D space, for quite some time, but um, in doing 3D for e-commerce, uh, we've been doing that since 2015. Wow, so five years of experience. Let's kind of go back to 2015. What did you start doing and what are you doing now? Like what are, what are the services that 3Kit offers and how has that changed from 2015? Um, when we first got into it, we were actually, our background's Hollywood visual effects. We started making uh, this company, uh, originally was creating software for Hollywood films. Uh, and we did that quite successfully on a lot of films. And then what we did is we started moving that 3D content creation to the web. Once we had done that, we did that around 2013. In 2015, people started using our 3D content creation for the web for e-commerce applications. Specifically, they were doing it for configurable products. So interactive 3D product configurators. This is Steelcase is a, a good example of an early adopter of this technology. We started doing that, and that had a lot of success, especially for companies that have massive configuration problems, um, such as Steelcase's office furniture. As we evolved down that path, the next thing we started doing was virtual photography, or also called synthetic photography. That's where you will create a number of renderings of products for companies. But a good example of that is Crate and Barrel. Um, we've created hundreds and hundreds of thousands of renders for them. Um, of their furniture and it all looks real. And so now they don't have to build every piece of furniture in every fabric and then take a picture of it. We can just render those off. That'd be some massive cost savings. We'll, we'll get into the numbers later, but wow, that's that's like, if you don't have to take photographs, I, I mean, I can only imagine a photo shoot's expensive to begin with. And every one of their uh, sofas is a couple thousand dollars. So like, it's it's just simply not possible. And then what we've done more recently is the rise of, of AR. Um, that has really been uh, embraced by furniture realtors in, specifically. And so that allows um, them to see the furniture, how it would fit in their room or office. And so those are the three main offerings that our platform has. To recap, you have configurators. So companies that have maybe a, it's a chair and it comes in 50 different colors and five different lumbar supports and people can configure their office furniture or chair or, or any product, really. The second is, uh, which is a term I've never heard, synthetic photography, basically being able to create catalog images and website images without ever using a camera. Yes. And then the third is using those same 3D assets that we can use for the interactive 3D configurators and the virtual photographer. We can then also export or create AR experiences using those same assets, the same models, the same materials. That's incredible. So now you know, a retailer has a one-stop shop to, to do a lot of the things that uh, maybe was, was being done by several firms. Yes, it is a consolidation uh, and it does lead to a lot of efficiencies because you only have to make your materials once, you only have to make your models once. 
And that configuration data is often run off a lot of business data from an either ERP or some e-commerce integration. We only need to do that once. And then you get all of these outputs. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the things that I noticed uh, about your system is if you go to 3kit.com and, and kind of hover over solutions, you have uh, all the e-commerce platforms listed in Magento, Salesforce, Shopify, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, and SAP. Maybe explain how that kind of would work if I'm a, a retailer and I, I sell something. How would it work through your system? Okay, well, it's basically an integration. We, our configurators are a set of options that you specify, and then we can either show that as interactive 3D AR or the virtual photography. Um, we can integrate into the e-commerce platform's option system, and then it just automatically follows whatever they pick in their in their e-commerce system. Our, our pictures or interactive 3D would follow, and then you can add that to cart, and then we'd automatically generate a thumbnail of that configuration, and then you can check out. It can also then um, do post-order workflows. So often, um, like we have some companies that uh, create 3D prints of the configured product for just-in-time manufacturing. So we can help create that STL for you. Oh, wow. That's like next level. So you're, you're not only visualizing it and showing it, but you're then able to take whatever they've designed themselves, throw it over to 3D printing, and oh, wow, that's a great pipeline. Yeah, we do that actually as well for bombs. We can also do that for like 2D print piles, which is like you're making custom T-shirts or some type of custom uh, cell phone case. So there's a lot of different outputs and we're adding more all the time because then not only are you getting that 3D configuration, you're actually getting a full business transformation that you can cut out steps of your standard fulfillment process. It just becomes fully automated. That's amazing. And that's what everybody needs it right now. And especially in a time where technology seems to be kind of blinding us to, to our human interactions, what this, I believe, will allow e-commerce companies to do is when, when this is all automated, you can spend more time answering customers' questions and really developing a personal relationship with your customers. I think this is, it's technology that allows for a more personal touch. It's great. Yeah, and just a lot of cost savings and, and scalability too. Because when you don't have someone rejigging all your orders just at, to get it over to fulfillment, yeah, your, your business can just scale. This is incredible. Is it mainly large companies or is there small, medium-sized companies as well? What are, what are you seeing? We see of various different companies uh, on the smaller end. Um, we work with, the, I have to be careful. I can only talk about the ones that are public. No, it's fine. You don't have to mention any names, but it, just maybe examples of how people are using it. Because if you're a small retailer, a lot of times these solutions are just completely out of reach. And so I don't think that's the case in your world. Yeah, like we work with uh, Puka is a good example. They make custom hats. So these are like baseball caps or beanies. Um, in Canada, they're called toques. And so you can configure what any colors you want. You can do custom logos as well as font size. Um, you can even upload um, SVGs and it'll display them. Before, they'd actually have to do this sort of an iterative process. Someone would request what they want. They'd send back a picture of here's what their designer thought they wanted. And there'd be a lot of interaction. Now they do that fully on the web without any human involved. And they get a live preview and then they can submit that to order. So that's, that just opens up a whole new market that they didn't have before. Okay, so let me ask you straight up numbers and sense then. It, does that increase sales? Yes. At Audi, not our customer, but they saw a 66% increase in user engagements once they switched to a 3D car configurator from a 2D solution. And those who view 3D products are 11 times more likely to buy than those who don't. Okay, you, we can hold on. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. So you're saying Audi 
used 3D Configurator and saw a 66% increase in activity in time spent on an object, or, or what was that? Uh, yeah, that's that's Audi reporting that they saw a 66% increase when compared to a traditional a 2D solution. Wow. And then 11 times more likely to buy. If they saw a 3D product, that's according to how. That's incredible. So how, how does a, a, an organization get started with this? Let's say, for example, um, uh, I'm a manufacturer of desks and I want to have my desks in 3D. And do I have to have CAD models? Do I come to you and do you, do you have service that builds them? Walk us through the process from I have a product that I could, could use this configuration, be great in, in AR, and I would love to do photographs. What is the, the step-by-step process of a, an organization looking to engage with 3Kit? It all depends on what, what is your product. Um, if you have CAD models, that's a really good place to start. If you don't have CAD models, there's other solutions. We can like 3D scan your furniture and then turn that into uh, high quality computer models, um, or we can even work with photos. Um, it is best though, if we do have CAD models, but there is other solutions. Like we do purses and suits and uh, many organic type objects without CAD models. That's the modeling side of things. There's also the material side of things. So if you have standard materials such as like stainless steel or like a ceramic or, or standard uh, plastics, uh, we have material templates for those. If you have more exotic materials, such as very specific car paints or, or various woods, we can scan those. Um, we have one client, Taylor Brands. Uh, they own Moore's Clothing in Canada and also Yase Bank in the States. They have 1,300 suit fabrics, of which 600 are dark blue or black. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how do you differentiate between those? So we do high quality scans and those high quality scans can capture the subtleties in the bumps, the sheen, the different thread patterns. And so that each one of those looks unique and accurate. Cause when you, when you have that many to choose from, you really want to be accurate. Um, Cause what people see in your virtual photography, they're going to expect. So yeah, that's how we get the models and that's how we get the materials. The last aspect of that is we have to get your configuration data. What features, go with which other features, and what is the total number of features. We can do that in a number of ways. One of the best is sort of do an ERP integration if like it's constantly changing. Um, or we can do like one-time integrations or get it from your um, e-commerce system. Um, or we can give you more full control over that if you want to have some way of customizing that and controlling that yourself. So is there a self-serve platform as well where people are, I'm assuming you guys have some sort of content management system for, for customers to get in and you know make changes to you know, SKUs and things like that? Yeah, we have a number of customers who are doing uh, self-service. Um, and that can vary from um, just managing which configurations you want to be showing. Like say you've got a new product release and you want to show only some of those configurations and release like maybe more materials like a couple months from now or discontinue some options. Um, we have... Our customers can also self-maintain if they know some things about 3D. They can add their own materials um, and their own models as well. And we have some clients doing that, but that's too much for other clients. So we can we can handle many different levels of self-serve depending on the needs of the client, their sophistication and size. That's amazing. One of the things that you, you didn't touch on that I think is going to be a fairly large part of this is we talked about configurators, synthetic photography, AR, but what about using 3D to boost ads? I know you partnered with Google recently, so maybe you can speak to that. 
that's actually from the same platform. Once you already have your models, your materials, and your configurations, we can then output any one of those to the Google ad platform. And therefore you can, for some of our clients, some of our clients have trillions of combinations. That's on average, probably they have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of combinations. You can pick any one of those to send as an ad. And then depending on feedback, it's very easy for you to start making A-B tests between different types of configured models. That's great. The other thing we can do is we can also send those virtual photographs to Google ads as well. So you can do both 3D ads as well as traditional like image-based advertising. Have you been doing the 3D ads long? Is it, is it, do you have enough data to say, do the 3D ads convert higher than uh, regular 2D ads or do, maybe there's not enough data yet? Google has published some numbers on that. We've been doing 3D ads uh, through Google for about a year, I guess. It depends on the product. And, and also the success of AR also depends on the product. Doing AR on a very big product actually can often confuse users. So the smaller the product, without it being like sort of jewelry, the better um, AR is for it. Really? Huh. It varies depending on the type of product. Images as well. Um, one cool thing with our, our image integration with uh, Google Ads is you can have someone try a configured product, like say you're doing a suit, and we have, I think we support over a trillion combinations for uh, Taylor brands. We can then create an image of that, a final image, and then Google can use pixel technology to start showing you that custom image that no one else has seen. And it can start showing you that on other websites to encourage you to come by and complete that transaction. Wow. Interestingly enough, if we knew that you had bought a suit, we could actually start suggesting ties to you. And we could make images of the suit that you bought along with some suggested ties if there's a special on ties and then show those so that you can now have imagery that's custom on demand for you based on your like style preferences or your previous purchases. Wow. There's so much to, to, to go through here. We talked about clothing and furniture, but some of the industries that you serve go pretty wide. You've got here furniture and home goods, commercial furniture, building materials, clothing and shoes, manufacturing, medical devices, jewelry, watches, kitchen, bath, and luggage. Of those industries, which ones are seeing kind of the, the greatest impact of this technology? Or is it all equal? Each one is being impacted quite a bit. It's a massive success when you have a lot of a configurable product. I think um, the challenge, our solution doesn't work well, like if you're selling like one product that doesn't have configurations because you only need one photo. If it only, if you sell one product and it comes in four different colors, it's, it's getting harder to justify our solution because you could, you probably have four copies of that product already and you could take photos. So I would say that the more configurable your product is by your customers, the more valuable our solution is. I, I'm looking at your, your clothing page and it's a suit jacket and the suit can be blue or gray or a beige, but the interior, and this is where men like to, to get customized, the, the interior of the fabric could be thousands of different fabrics. We did um, some really interesting work to get uh, the uh, NFL teams into uh, Yase Banks as interior patterns. That's the suit uh, brand owned by Taylor Brands. Oh man, that's super cool. Who, who doesn't want to have their football team in their blazer jacket built into the liner? Man, they, the possibilities with this are endless. Oh, okay, so, so since we've kind of come from 2015 to 2020, what do you think is going to be the trend moving forward to, let's say, 2025? What I recommended or what I was suggesting earlier is where you know people's previous purchases 
And then you can start making contextual suggestions of additional purchases that match that. So let's say we know that you frequented this uh, furniture retailer and you had bought a number of uh, purchases previously. Well, then maybe they could show you pictures of your suggested purchase in context, or we could even learn um, maybe based on the style of that furniture, because we know more about that furniture than people normally do with just a skew. We can actually go, well, this style of furniture actually looks really nice with this other one. That So if you have brown end tables, you probably want to have a, a couch that matches that if you're upgrading your couch. So be, I guess that's concierging, suggesting additional products that go with your existing purchases. Uh, and we can show that visually, and we can also just make those recommendations based on that deep knowledge of the products. The other one, um, which I'm really excited about, is additional try-on. So with this LiDAR that Apple is pushing pretty hard, I'm pretty sure Google's going to follow suit pretty quickly, mm -hmm. probably one year behind. And then they're going to have LiDAR on their top-end phones, probably coming to Samsung. But try-on is going to be made really possible. And try-on of, of suits, you'll be able to try on that suit and then see it. So that's AR plus really high-quality LiDAR scanning, um, skeleton detection, and then clothing simulation. And then you can try on a baseball cap at home. You can try putting on a tie. It could even start suggesting that this is the right size for you. Um, it could suggest, well, we know you have that suit. You don't even have to put it on, but I can start suggesting ties for you. Uh, scan your room and it knows which furniture you've already bought. And then it makes suggestions based on that. So like AR becomes easy. You don't even put like the new furniture down. You just scan your room and it goes, by the way, here's where I think the table should go. This is the table I think you should buy. And it goes, well, here's four other suggestions that I also think are good. That's crazy. It, it's going to be pretty cool. I wonder if you can even scan your room and it goes, by the way, here's the lights I suggest you change. And this is how your room would look different. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. So that that's where we're going. And, and it's great that Apple's pushing this pretty hard. There may be AR glasses as well. There's a lot of rumors Apple's working on that. Yeah. And Facebook announced their research version of them. Project Aria. Yeah. So that would be very cool. And all of these things just become a bit more integrated if it's in your glasses. Though I, I do think that's like, uh, I don't know if it have wide adoption by 2025. No, I, I think the glasses, uh, my guess is, well, who knows, man? Enreal's launching their glasses as a consumer glass with all the telcos. Uh, I know they're working with Deutsche Telekom and T-Mobile and a number of other companies. So these glasses are coming to the to the market. I just don't think there's a massive enough base of content that, that is viewable on them. So we'll have to see, but um, there's going to be some options. Yeah. Yeah. Lighter plus AR glasses is a very uh, interesting combination. I totally agree. And, and the new iPad pro has LIDAR built into the, the front sensor. So you can now scan your room and there's rumors that the, the iPhone 12 will have uh, LIDAR scanning as well on the front facing camera. They already have it facing your head. Um, which the face unlock uses, but having being able to LIDAR scan your room and understand that not only the image of the room, but the actual structure of it, where the table is, the floor, the analogy I, I tell to people is it's like Pokemon Go if the Pokemon could hide behind things. But then also it will recognize your furniture. Yeah. So you don't even have to enter in like a lot of people want to do home planning, but right now if you try any of those home planners, they're like, okay, enter in your walls. Okay. Now put your existing furniture in. And like, if you want to do that, you're in hours of work but in the future you'll just scan your room yeah it's gonna be so easy and i i, I know you've seen demos like that because i've seen some and i'm like wow the future is already here <laughs> i think that going into stores will actually be like a downgrade from what you could do in your home 
The only thing you're getting is you're able to touch it. You're able to touch that material. You're able to sit on that sofa. But other than that, you're not missing out that much. So, okay. What are some of the things you're working on now that you're super excited about that is coming in 2021? Let's say, what are some of the things you're really excited about? Um, maybe push some new technology. What do you want people to know that's coming in, in 2021 for you guys? Oh, we've got a big push on configurable AR and we're going to be pushing even harder on that. Uh, we've got uh, wall placement coming. We're looking at uh, a technology called WebXR, um, but right now our configurable AR technology already works both on Apple and on Android phones. And then I would say that's probably, a lot of it is also increasing the ROI. So ensuring that the platform is low cost to use and that it provides the most benefit. I think this is where a lot of early AR startups and VR startups in general missed the boat. They started creating a technology and then, then they had a technology and it was looking for a solution. Being able to create ROI directly and, and demonstrate that ROI, that's really what customers at the end of the, the day want, uh, especially B2B customers. I'm enamored. I'm looking at a DeWalt drill right now on your demo site. Your their demo site, just so if you want to know and go and try these things out, there's a whole site. If you go to 3kit.com, uh, go to the resources tab and down to the 3D product library. And there's bracelets, backpacks, sound systems, high heels. Uh, is there a product category that you guys haven't touched yet that you think would make a, a good one? We really have a quite broad set of clients. Yeah, it doesn't look like it looks like you cover everything. There's a tent here, a watch. It's really, really great. And the, the fidelity on, on these uh, objects is really beautiful. And it's all real time and it's all running on the web. So one question I actually had from a technical standpoint is uh, how hard is it to, to put these things on the web compared to something like an app or maybe using Unity for a configurator? What is the, the difference between workflows on, on 3Kit versus unity or, or even unreal well let's see um i talk about the evolution we used to do everything through a previous platform we had called clario or a lot of the current technology evolved out of clario it's an online 3d editor that we made we made a new platform called 3kit um specifically for the 3d e-commerce market that we're in now what it did is it it made a number of major changes from clario that made it very powerful it actually has models separated from materials separated from say textures and then it also has an e-commerce catalog and options set. And so all of that together makes it very low cost to scale up both in terms of uh, products and options across your catalog. It's in some ways, the asset management system is very similar to Unreal Engine, but the advantages that it has over say Unreal Engine is everything's on the web, optimized for the web. And our runtime is very, very small. So Unreal and Unity do have abilities to go on the web, but if you try and use them, you'll find out that everything is very slow loading because it's loading a full game engine or at least a, a, a partial game engine on the web. And you have to create everything in that game engine. Whereas ours, you create it in the online platform that actually is designed around e-commerce and configurations. And then everything is optimized to be small. So that's sort of the difference. The other thing that's different from those existing platforms is that we have a render system that's very similar to how it works in visual effects. So this is how you create your, your stages, your sort of backdrops, and then you create your virtual photography using that. That's also something that isn't even in um, Unreal Engine or Unity at all. So I guess we're sort of a platform that's um, reimagined 
inspired by Unreal, inspired by like 3D content creation systems like Maya, and then web-based systems like Google Docs. It's sort of taking all those ideas and then making a, a system that's perfectly tailored for the needs of e-commerce. So maybe maybe you can speak to to actually that for a second because I think this is something missing from all the other systems that I identified a, a couple of years ago. We were doing a project on Web AR and we had an agency as a client, and then we had the client, and then we had the brands, and everybody had to approve it. And the back and forth, we couldn't send a 3D model, so you'd end up taking five or six photographs or snapshots, sending it over. They'd say, you know, change the. It was a disaster. So talk about maybe your your versioning and how that works, and and it's a it's a feature that nobody talks about, but I think it's vital to to e-commerce. I think it's vital and it's very important when you're actually doing the project, but it's really hard to communicate when someone's looking to, to sort of license or, or buy our product. Because the people that are buying our product, and this is about maximizing ROI. When people are looking at it, they don't usually judge it based on that version. They only find out about its value sort of once you're in the project. But it is one of those things that they really do need to think about. Yeah, our versioning is based sort of on uh, some developer technology. It's not using this technology, but it's inspired by something called Git. And this means that everything is versioned and we know every change that was ever made. So we can go back in time uh, to the present. We can also make branches. So you can take uh, like the current accepted version, and then you can have an artist start say making a bunch of fixes to a number of the materials, and then they can propose that back. And then people can look at how that looks and then accept it or not accept it. And so then we have a review system as well, where then you can have people sign off on those uh, changes. So yeah, it's basically based on reviews and approvals and then branching and versioning. Uh, it sounds complex, but it, it actually works really well in practice because you don't get changes you didn't want in the, the main system. So I, I think one of the questions I have now is what are the limits? Because it's on web, obviously Unreal, I think their latest ad was we're pushing a billion polygons on the PS5. So obviously PS5 or, or PS4 and these game consoles, they offer far more rendering power with dedicated GPUs and everything. How are you then able to uh, take this web-based 3D and provide it to Android and Apple? And of course, everybody's got different types of phones and there's no... Samsung S20 is great, but what if somebody's got the Samsung A, A version, which is a, you know, a lower price model? How do you get around that? What is the kind of limits that you recommend or, or have? Are there limits to the size of the projects and, and the detail and fidelity of these projects? Um, there is, depending on the solutions. Um, so if someone has a, a very complex uh, product and uh, visual fidelity matters a lot, like say the suits. And, and those 500 or 600 fabrics that are all dark blue and black. That one's really hard to do in real time, such that you can capture the subtleties of the material. So those I wouldn't recommend you do in real time, but use the virtual photographer product or the that feature capability. Because then you can spend more time and make a perfect rendering of that fabric that captures its subtleties. And then it's just an image that loads on your website. But if you're doing something that's simpler, such as like an office chair, um, while they do have dark blues and blacks, you don't have to tell the difference between like 600 of them. Um, and therefore, maybe you can drop the fidelity a bit and then go for that real-time aspect. We do recommend that your models are generally under about five megs in size. Um, smaller is always better because it loads faster. And load time does matter for e-commerce. So 
I guess it's a different trade-off for every customer, but you want it to load really within a couple seconds, if not like two seconds. But some of our customers are willing to wait a bit more because maybe um, they're more in the B2B space. And in the B2B space, people are willing to wait more for like a load time. They're not quite as fickle as a, a B2C sort of situation where there's many different alternatives for that specific product and someone might get bored if they have to wait like four or five seconds. But like if you're configuring like a workbench, you're probably willing to wait like five seconds and, and then get a much more detailed model or a very complex configuration setup. But it is up to the client to decide where they want their fidelity to be based on what they're willing to put up in load time. And of course, we use industry best practices, optimization of various types to try and minimize that too, so that we can give the best experience within that load time. So what is the largest project file size that, that you've had to work with? Or, or has there been a customer that said, no, I, I really want to push some crazy 100 megabyte file? Is that possible? Or You can. It would be a, uh, <laughs> a horrible user experience. So no, we don't do that. No. We would push them towards image-based configuration then. The, the files we use to create the suits are hundreds of megabytes in size, but we turn that into an image. And then it's like, less than a meg download, probably like 500 kilobytes. And that's the best way to do it, right? So that's a different way of optimization, but nobody would ever choose a 100 megabyte download when they can get half a megabyte. And that half a megabyte actually would probably look better than some janky, slow, interactive WebGL where you can't tell the difference between those 500 dark blues and blacks. Once you hit sort of the capacity limit of current technology, we then will probably push you to an alternative solution that's still on our platform. Or you can do both. I do think that when we start doing interactive try-on, those suits will not look as good as the suits we're rendering right now in images, but you will be able to see how it fits. So maybe it might be a combination of, let's see how it fits on my body and they can uh, maybe fit to your specific proportions. But then when you want to pick the fabric, you go to an image-based configurator. It's sort of like with AR right now, the AR that we do for furniture is not as good as our, our virtual photography. But if you want to see it fit in your room, you don't have a choice. You look at the pictures, you see how beautiful, how subtle the reflections are on that fabric, how, how that velvet interacts with light. But then you go into AR and you see if it fits in your room. So by using a combination of technologies, you get all the benefits. Wow. That's like the best example. Wicker cannot look good in AR right now. It's just too many details. Huh. You would have thought Wicker. I mean, you know, I guess this is just things you come up with as you, uh, as you do thousands of products, you're like, oh, <laughs> that, that one wasn't so good. Well, that's because it's a lot of individual threads, graphs that you can see. And so you can mimic it in AR, but it just doesn't quite look as good as you could make it in a render. Amazing. Well, Ben, I, I could literally interview you all day long. I, I love this stuff and I love what you guys are doing at 3Kid. It's, it's really amazing. So without lathering on too much longer, what problem or challenge in the world do you want to see solved using XR technologies? Oh, I think it's try-on. Try-on of clothes. That's like the, the frontier that we're waiting for. I think AR glasses are going to be interesting, but I think that once you have try-on for clothes, facilitated via LiDAR and sort of body fitting. I'm, I'm literally, as you were talking, I'm looking on your site at a, at a golf shirt with a, a dragon on it and uh, <laughs> there's different patterns. It's super cool. Yeah. Air glasses are going to be cool, but I don't, I think they're just going to be an accelerator. I don't know. It actually might be very cool when you can redo everyone's rooms and in context, advertising and air glasses might be interesting. Yeah. Well, Unity, I don't know. Well, Unity went public this or last week and 62% of their revenue comes from the ad division. No way. 
Really? Yeah. Yeah. Look at their IPO filing. I had no idea. Huh. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a thing for sure. What do you think? Where, where do you think the market's going? What is the most interesting things you see coming? So in the short term, I believe that th- just take away AR and all the R's. Just 3D on web. The web is a ubiquitous platform that lets anybody experience it without apps and any of that. It's just a nice connection between a brand or a company and the consumer in a way that maybe they haven't seen before. As more and more consumers grow up with AAA video games, I believe that the experiences that we deliver have to be at least that kind of photorealistic quality that people are used to, or at least AAA gaming we've only scratched the surface of what's possible delivering 3D on web. And of course you're offering AR and this unlimited photograph system. I think those are the most compelling parts right now in, we almost got to a point where we're inventing new technology before selling the old technology to people. We have stuff that works now that is immediate and everybody of course wants the new new, but I think there's so much value to be gained from the existing technology, just showing things on 3D on, on a website and, uh, We've only scratched the surface of what's possible on that. So I think leveraging the technology that we already use every day that we maybe take for granted, but consumers, they want to try new stuff. 3D is is a novelty right now and it's new. And I think brands need to really leverage it immediately. Yes, that makes sense. I'm looking at a Lamborghini right now. It's awesome. Well, Ben, people can reach you at uh, at 3Kit, um, T-H-R-E-E. KIT.com. You guys are based in Ottawa, Canada. We actually are uh, headquartered in Chicago. We also have offices in Chicago, San Francisco, New York, London, and Paris. Amazing. So you guys are a global company now, but it was started in Ottawa, wasn't it? Yes, it did start in Ottawa too. Canadian companies. Woo! We're kicking ass and taking over the world. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I, is there anything else you want to share with the, with the audience before we wrap up? Uh, no, thank you, Alan. The, the opportunity. Ben, this has been so great. And uh, I want to thank you for being on the show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this is the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. And uh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button because every week we have a, a new episode coming out and you really don't want to miss uh, amazing interviews like Ben. Uh, thank you so, so much. I wish you all the best success uh, with 3Kit in the future. And I know you guys just raised uh, a Series A round. So I wish you all the best success and hopefully uh, we'll see 3Kit as a, an IPO story in the next few years. Well, thank you. <laughs>